episode of Neither the Time Nor the Space. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the inventive Matt. Hello there. So, here we are. Uh, this is our first uh, peek behind the curtain, as we like to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's our first recording session uh, after the new year, so... Yeah, uh, happy, happy New Year. Yeah, belated Happy New Year by the time this yeah. comes out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm coming high off the New Year's Day uh, special. Uh, which oh, how did you find it? I really liked it. I okay. really liked it. it. Actually, and if we lump that in with Series 11 as a whole, uh, you know, I think last episode you asked me, you know, where, where I would rank it on, on the scale, and, and I, I think I said uh, bad series, good bits. I think it would just edge it over into okay. good series overall. Like, I still have many criticisms as a whole, but this it was uh, Chibnall's best script by far. Uh, okay. I'm very excited when we eventually get to the point that we're going to talk about that episode. I think it'll be an interesting one to talk so, about. Right. <laughs> I haven't watched that, obviously. I yeah. don't watch New yeah. to Who. You're taking the slow path. In, in keeping with our favourite thing of Choose Your Own Adventures... Uh -huh. I watched the Black Mirror Bandersnatch Oh episode. yeah, I, I, I not had a chance to do that. It sounds it, interesting. It makes the worst episode of Doctor Who look spectacular. It really? is possibly... It's either the worst film I've ever watched or the worst game I've ever played. <laughs> it, it doesn't succeed at being either. Oh dear, that's a shame. Yeah, so that, that seems to be high in the cultural zeitgeist at the moment. So yeah. Let's drop that in. I'd, I'd probably rather do the Doctor Who Choose Your Own Adventure again. Wow, that is, that is um, damning indeed. Mm. I'm still going to have to do it at some point. But um, yeah, no, probably not. I mean, I'll be honest, I've not watched any Black Mirror since uh, Series 2, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And the last one I remember watching was the um, one where it was... It was like zombies, but then it turned out not to be zombies. It was just some kind of torture thing. White bear? I can't remember. Oh, it was wretched. It was just... Just in, in the way it made me feel. Oh, well, it's just... Oh. This one is... Yeah. It tries to be incredibly clever right. by being incredibly stupid. <laughs> you know, that sounds like my kind of show. I might uh, enjoy it. You probably <laughs> I mean, I don't want to give the game away, but the episode of Doctor Who that we're going to review today... School, School reunion. reunion, yeah. You know, I don't want to say too much, but didn't sit well with me. Did it not? But I enjoyed it more than Bandersnatch. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it then. So, School Reunion, um, on your rating system... I'm just going to go all in and say, up to and including School Reunion, season two of Doctor Who has just been shit. Wow. Yeah. I did not enjoy this episode. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you that I, I think um, it's been a rocky start to series two. I really like the school reunion. Um, I, I think whether it's good or bad is fine. We can cope with that. Yeah. I found this episode really boring. Really? Yeah. No, that's a shame. And a lot of nods to like Doctor Who classic. Yeah. But we'll get into that. I just but... don't care. I know, I know. I think could be hard for someone who is as in love with the classic series as I am to uh, view an episode like School Reunion with any level of objectivity whatsoever mm. um, because it does just play on that. I mean, it's not exactly nostalgia for me because I didn't like grow up watching the Baker era, but having a familiarity with it uh, adds definitely adds a level of resonance to mm. it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so shall we just yeah. dive right in? Okay, so School Reunion, 
Yeah. Season 2, episode 3. Written by Toby Whithouse. Yeah, his first episode. Um, not his last. So, okay. fingers crossed you'll enjoy yeah, his later contributions a little more. Um, um, and this is from the 29th of April, 2006. So what would you have been up to then? Probably back at uni after the Easter break. Yeah. Maybe. Sort of plugging away at that. Yeah. yeah. I, I was definitely back I, I feel like every week yeah. when we think, oh, what would I have been doing at the time? It's just yeah. been yeah. at uni. Yeah. I, 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 the, the difference being... I was watching Doctor Who yeah. whilst at uni. I can't wait till the takeover where it goes from probably just at uni to probably just at work. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. You know, the stuff, wheel keeps isn't it? turning, life goes on. So it starts with Anthony Stewart Head. It does. Okay, now, having watched part of this episode, mm-hmm. I text you about Anthony Stewart Head. Yes. And whether it's true or not, I've never been able to fathom it. I think I first became aware of this when Buffy was on the telly. Mm-hmm. That Anthony Stewart Head has a damaged hand. I, I don't right. know whether he was born that way, whether it was an accident. So you only ever see one of his hands on screen at any one time, or really? the other one is concealed in some way. And that's true in Buffy as well. Isn't yep, it? yep, yep. Wow. And Never in noticed. Little Britain. Huh. So I wanted to make you aware of that because every time he was on screen, rather than paying attention to the episode, I was just looking for his hand. Because you texted me before I'd watched it, I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna pay attention. I'm gonna," and I just didn't at all. Uh, I just, I just got swept up. I just uh, that goes to show how much I enjoy this episode. Conveniently, when he was in Buffy, he was always reading from some book, so he'd be holding the book in that hand, perusing it with the other. In Little Britain, I think because he played the Prime Minister, Uh he was always stood one hand in front of the other, Hmm. and in this. I think he's quite often got them in his pockets and things like that. Well, there you go. So, totally irrelevant to the episode, but (laughs) probably the most enjoyable bit is trying to spot his other hand. So you didn't enjoy his his performance in general then? Obviously he's a well-known actor. I did, but he he was basically playing the character he plays in just about everything. Just a well-spoken, whether he's good guy or bad guy, you know, if you think about when he plays Giles in Buffy... He's still quite a powerful character. Yes, he's authoritative. Yes, that's and, what I'm uh, and, for. And, you know, in this one, tipping over into supercilious, yes. I would say. Yeah, I think he's well cast. Um, yeah. And you, you get Anthony Stewart head in to do what he does. Um, yeah. But he does it really well in this episode. I mean, this is basically Doctor Who does Demon Headmaster. Yes, yeah. And if you're going to do Demon Headmaster, you need a uh, actor with that kind of presence mm. to um, yeah pull that off. That that's immediately where my mind went because yeah. you know we've alluded to the Demon Headmaster before. Yeah, very formative. I think we might um, be the only people in 2018 talking about the <laughs> Demon Headmaster. Uh, I don't know. I think for our generation, our particular sort of slice yeah. of the British populace, the Demon Headmaster was such a significant part of our childhood. Yeah, well, he is the headmaster of Defrey Vale High School. Oh, well done for noting down the name. I well, didn't. I thought if they were going to allude to classic Doctor Who, yeah. why didn't they make it the school from... Oh, from the Unearthly Child, Coal yeah. Hill School. Yeah. yeah. If they were going to go whole hog with nostalgia, yeah, go back to Ian Barber and Susan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There, there is that, have you ever heard the phrase like, making the universe smaller? Hmm. This um, Star Wars is is terrible at doing that, where everyone is, turns out is related to everyone else, and it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, so you've got this entire universe, but actually, the only people of significance are this is basically this single family tree, <laughs> and in the same way, it's like, it would be nice as a nod, 
but also then it's just like there are so many schools. I mean, f- for one, it's weird how much stuff takes place in Britain. Yeah, specifically if, Cardiff, specifically Cardiff or London. If you then also pile on top of that, oh, and it's all the weird stuff happens at this one school. Yeah. You potentially stretch credulity. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Right. So he's heading to the headmaster's office. There's a little girl outside who's unwell, I believe. Yeah. And he tells her to go home. And when she says that she lives in the children's home, he just basically says, well, no one's going to miss you. Mm. Pretty harsh. It is. Sort of goes against basic safeguarding. (laughs) Already you you, you get the sense that perhaps there is something wrong about this school. Yeah. So he says, come inside. It's nearly time for lunch. Closes the door. We hear a scream from behind the door. Are we presumed that he's eating that? Yeah. Yeah, that's where this is going, basically. (laughs) Then the bell rings for lessons, and we find out all of a sudden the doctor's a science teacher. Yeah, and I really like that reveal. I like the way it just sort of smashes it into it, and just like I like that it basically skips all the the, the boring early stuff where they turn up, they have a, yeah, you know, they start poking around, they psychic paper, blah de blah. We just skip all that. We it doesn't like we're confident enough in the doctor and his ability at this point. We can be like, oh, he could talk his way into. Well, this like, is what I thought because. Obviously, being a teacher myself, yeah, I was quite critical of him just being a teacher. Yeah, but then I thought his psychic papers, yeah, probably can be the documentation he needs. Uh-huh. But what happens when they ring for a reference? <laughs> He's he could. who they're gonna ring? Harriet Jones. <laughs> well, she. I mean, if they they're ring... not on good terms. Well, yeah, it depends. Jackie when... <laughs> Rodrigo. <laughs> He's made enough mates over the years that I'm sure someone would give him a good reference. And just say, yeah, he's an alien from yeah. outer space. He's got two hearts. Maybe maybe Ian or Barbara gave him that re- reference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ian was a science teacher. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how highly he was regarded in the community. Well, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of unclear what he did post-travelling with the Doctor. Probably stalking young girls home. That's I my experience of him so far. <laughs> that seems to be his main... Main hobby. Right. Right. So the doctor is teaching a physics lesson. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. Although I teach science, physics is my weakest field. Uh-huh. So... Would you have managed to do better than standing in front of the class saying physics, 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 physics? Uh, a lot of my classes <laughs> wouldn't have noticed the difference if I did do that. And we've got this chap called Milo in yeah. his class who's answering every question. Yeah. He's super smart to the point that he can explain faster than light travel. Yeah. Which, which a child should not be able to. I mean, no human should be able to do that. Because yeah. It's technology beyond our ken. Yeah, um, absolutely. And at the same time as the Doctor's new job, Rosa's got a new job as a dinner lady. Yeah. Pretty good casting, I would say. <laughs> if I think about the dinner ladies at my school, yeah. they're, they're not a million miles away from Rose, I would say. Really? Yeah. I never had any as attractive as Billy Piper. Oh, no, no, I mean, in terms of attitude. Yeah. yeah. In terms of attitude, definitely. Yeah. Because um, the unwritten law of working in a school is you flirt with the dinner ladies, because mm. then you get more food. A bigger true. portion of chips. Yeah. That's so. what we're all angling for. And then we find out that Mickey has tipped them off, suspicious of this Milo character that yeah. How did Mickey... I don't know that he was suspicious of Milo in particular. I think he was he, he, he was suspicious of things that had been happening in the school. I think it was like disappearances and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know when Mickey's not with Rose and the Doctor, he just spends all his time on the internet. 
All the internet all at, at that garage, that one garage yeah. where I think he works. Yeah, I think yeah. he's probably been laid off because <laughs> all he does is fuck about on the internet. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so he, he reckons there's something odd going on in this school. And so when Rose and Doctor were in town, he told them to go and investigate. Yeah. So. And they deduce there's something wrong with the chips. And that becomes a reoccurring point. It's the first time it's acknowledged. Yeah. And... Is this where we get the, the bit with the barrel of weird, um, or is that a bit later? I think it's a bit later. Yeah. This is where we have, who I've just simply described as an angry, bitchy dinner lady appears, yes. yeah. and says the headmaster designed the new menu. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, which in itself is an odd thing. Like, yeah. That's not what headmasters do. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm not even certain if the headmaster at my school eats the school dinners. I think Does he, he made... eat food? Yeah, he doesn't yeah. eat children, right. if that's where we're going with Okay, well, I don't know. I just feel like he's worth checking at this point. Yeah, I'm quietly confident that he doesn't. Okay, okay, good. It's reassuring. So then we cut to... I don't know whether he's ever named, or if he is, I, I missed it. A guy I've just described as angry teacher. Yes, yeah. Okay. No, I don't think he is ever named. He's just like the sort of... The most uh, prominent sinister teacher out yeah. of um, he, he's the sort of the headmaster's heavy, yeah, isn't he? he? Maybe he's deputy. Yeah, he's just sort of the muscle, isn't he? Because yeah. Anthony Stewart Head is sort of this foreboding, evil character, but he he doesn't pose much of a physical threat. No, he just sort of, he just stands there with one hand disguised <laughs> yeah. by the other. So we have quite a large, physically intimidating, angry teacher. Mm-hmm. There's nothing suspicious about the fact he's angry because teaching. Te- teaching is just a godless occupation. <laughs> um, and he's promoting a student into his class yeah. after Milo has failed him. Yeah. Doesn't ever really say how, just that Milo failed him. Yeah. And that's the last we ever hear of Milo. Yeah. Poor Milo. Poor Milo. At least he got screen time. He's doing better than 90% of the other characters. Yeah, that's true. Randomly, all the dinner ladies are just in hazmat suits. And <laughs> yeah. This is the point they're sort of wheeling this drum yes, of, of like what seems to be like hazardous waste. Yeah, it's like classic 1990s kids' TV toxic waste, isn't yeah. it? It's like sort of uh, this luminescent green colour oozing out of it. And it's... Again, having eaten school dinners, nothing suspicious about that. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a daily sighting at your yeah. your school. My my rule is basically if it's lasagna or macaroni cheese, it's fine. Anything else is essentially sawdust and filth. Right. I mean, what makes you confident that the macaroni cheese and lasagna isn't? I don't really know. But or is it, it just that it tastes good enough? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just like don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's meat, but it's <laughs> unspecified. <laughs> What it is. It's just brown. Mm. Okay. So, Mickey is still pestering everyone on the internet until Torchwood step in and yeah. block his internet use. Ooh. Uh, Torchwood, eh? Yeah, That's so, as we've already said, we're going to watch the first episode of Torchwood. At some point, yeah. At yeah. the end of this season. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, quite exactly. good that they're becoming more and more prominent. <laughs> and he's, prior to this, discovered there's recent UFO activity. Yes. One point I just want to raise, mm-hmm. and we'll probably discuss it more at the end of the episode. He and Rose are really flirtatious at this point. Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that because when we get to the end of the episode, without getting ahead of ourselves, 
they're really not. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's I mean I think it's just it's this they have a difficult relationship, don't they? Where I think there is an attraction there, but Rose is perhaps a little bit torn. So yeah, yeah. and frankly, Mickey could do better at this point. Yeah, he deserves better. He definitely deserves better. He, he deserves someone that can. He's, he's got not, a good heart. Exactly. It? He's not. He's not maybe the brightest bulb or the the, the most, uh, you know, the biggest catch ever. He seemed happy with Trisha Delaney. I mean, was he? Was he ever really happy with Trisha Delaney? I think he was when she lost the weight. <laughs> <laughs> There's another joke that we seemingly make every episode. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the, it's the highlight of Boomtown, so... Yeah. <laughs> right, the chemicals that the dinner ladies have been wheeling about spill on the floor, and it reacts like an acid. Yes. It seems to melt whatever it comes in contact with. Yeah. And the other dinner ladies close the blinds so Rose can't see what's going on. Uh-huh. At this point in my notes, I've written in big pen, we're only five minutes into this episode. This is like the most mental five minutes. Yeah, it's a lot packed in, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. not a great deal really happens after this. Oh, you know, we get, the, we get the resolution and we know where we're going. But compared to this first five minutes... It's quite frenetic. It's, it's throwing a lot of info at you early on, for sure. It's kind of, you know, just... Putting all the pieces in place for, uh, you know, what's going to follow. So, we're back with the angry teacher from before. Yeah. He's teaching ICT. Yeah. And they're doing some sort of code breaking that yeah. just involves runes flashing on the screen and yeah. spinning around okay, yeah. so you've whilst got, like... the kids blindly <laughs> type away. Yeah, so essentially it looks like a screensaver. Yeah. You've got like this sort of cube, this mysterious rune cube floating around, and then on the right hand side of the screen, you've just got like this just strings of numbers and letters, yeah. and and yeah, the kids just hammering away on the keyboards, and it they cut it like a montage. So you'll get go from close up to padding shot to like slightly overhead shot to like a, a weird Dutch angle, and it's just cutting and cutting, and it. <laughs> It, I swear it goes on for three minutes, yeah, that, that but, montage. But, but nothing no, happens. Yes, no information <laughs> is conveyed beyond what we see in that first shot. Yeah. There is no... <laughs> again, not to hark back to the Demon Headmaster, but I did research it and I couldn't find which series it was. But there is an entire series of the Demon Headmaster where the school are roped into some sort of code-breaking computer task. Uh-huh. But secretly, I think they're hacking the government for the Demon right. Headmaster. Yeah. And this was like, this is pulled shot for shot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it, it appears to be this really exciting scene, but it's yeah. really not. Yeah, like you've got the sinister music playing, but obviously we're supposed to be like, oh, what's going on here? But like after that, you see that first shot of you, are like, okay, yeah, no, I get what they're doing. Some kind of weird alien hacking shit. Okay, moving on. But yeah. then it doesn't move. It doesn't move on. It just goes yeah. on. And on, and on. The children don't seem to be in any peril. Oh, no, they're not. I mean, apart from the fact that they're potentially like brainwashed or being controlled or something. Yeah, yeah. They're in no immediate harm because obviously they're needed for this hacking. Yeah. So it it, it doesn't quite create the level of tension I think uh, the director wanted us to feel. And the angry teacher sort of goose steps around the room. (laughs) Yes. Making sure everyone's on task. But they're so brainwashed. They obviously are. Yeah. You know, I was expecting him to see someone, you know, flinch or not doing as they should be. 
and we'd see some danger, but it just no. never comes. Yeah, so really, he might as well just put his feet up. Yeah, obviously, the system is, is flawless at this point. They've got it down to a fine art. Just let him get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. And then the headmaster at this point is showing someone around the skull. Yeah. Okay, somebody called Miss Smith. Yes. And without getting ahead of ourselves, it's Sarah Jane Smith. It is. Now, prior to this episode, had you ever heard of Sarah Jane Smith? Yes and no. Right. I was aware that there's a spin-off show, The Sarah Jane Mysteries. Yeah, Sarah Jane Adventures. Sarah Jane Adventures, sorry. Yeah. And I'm aware that that was a CBBC... Yes. So we've said Torchwood's sort of the more mature Doctor Who. Yeah. This is sort of the less mature, yes, more accessible for children. Yeah. So I thought she herself would be like a young girl who was having adventures in the ah, Doctor Who right. canon. Yeah. But no, she's actually... She's an older lady. Yeah. Do you want yes. to take a second just to talk about Sarah Jane? Um, can I have more than a second, please? Go on. <laughs> okay, so Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Smith, one of the most iconic uh, and beloved of the classic companions. Without doubt, one of the longest serving, depending on how you look at things. Because uh, she did, I think, three years in the role um, during a main stint. So she was actually introduced, she's mostly associated with uh, Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, mm-hmm. you know, floppy hat, scarf, all that. Um, but she actually was introduced uh, the season before in John Pertwee's final season. And actually, um, I think part of the reason is that, that she clicked more with, like, the chemistry is different and I think better between her and Tom Baker than it ever was with John Pertwee. But, but having said that, I still really enjoy a lot of the stories in their last season. But anyway... So she is introduced in uh, a story called The Time Warrior, where she is snooping around this uh, research facility where there's been some sort of rub goings on. In, in the same way she's exactly snooping the same, around the school. Exactly, because she's an investigative journalist. That, that was her sort of point of entry. She's an investigative journalist. She's poking around, trying to get some information on, on what's going on in this research facility. Just so happens that the Doctor and Unit are also investigating. That's how their paths cross. And it sort of spirals on from there until, as as is discussed later in this episode, um, they part ways. The Doctor promises he'll 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 be back because basically the Doctor is summoned to Gallifrey, um, and he doesn't want to take Sarah Jane along because you know no place for a human. And he says he'll he'll come back for her and never does. Right. And so, so that... this is kind of dealing with the fallout of that that kind of unresolved thing. And yeah, and played, of course, by the wonderful Elizabeth Sladen, who I think just has such a natural warmth and charm to her. I'm going to ask the stupidest question. Yeah. She played Sarah Jane in the original? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same actress. Right. Yeah. I I don't don't think there'll be any point doing it with with recasting, really. Um, Because I think a huge part of the appeal of Sarah Jane as a character is just... Uh, Elizabeth Slayton's performance. Right. Early on with Doctor Who, especially during um, from the Second Doctor onwards, there was kind of your com- your female companions fell into one of two camps. You had the the sort of screamy girls that would you know trip over and and you know the damsels in distress. Yeah, and you saw that with Susan and uh, to an extent Vicky, mm-hmm. um, or you had sort of quite bolshy characters like there's um i really like her as a character actually uh, liz shaw the first um companion with uh, the third doctor um who was this 
very strident feminist. Not a particularly cuddly character. She's quite spiky and needly with uh, with how she uh, deals with the very uh, the, the various male authority figures that are constantly patronising her. Um, and for me, I think Sarah Jane Smith was the first time they found a kind of happy medium between the two. Right. In that she is a confident, intelligent, and she is, again, unashamedly feminist character. But by the same token, there is a warmth to her um, that makes her much more immediately likeable right. than someone like Liz Shaw. So, and I think that's why she stuck around so long, why she ended up being so iconic, so inextricably linked with the classic series. So if you were going to bring back any classic companion, apart from Susan, because you, there was an unresolved nature to her story, mm-hmm. you couldn't have done better than right. picking Sarah Jane Smith. Right. And so, I'll leave it there for now. So <laughs> that was a long second. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet. Yes. Here. Okay. We've already agreed at the end of this series we're going to watch episode one of Torchwood. Yeah. I think we should also watch episode one of the Sarah Jane Adventures. I would more than happily do that. Or, but I, I relish that prospect much more than uh, I do Torchwood, to be honest. Or when I looked into the Sarah Jane Adventures, which just when I yeah. was trying to find out a bit about the character. Yeah. Not the first episode, but the second episode right. features the Slovene. Does it? So we could rope that in, perhaps. Well, we'll, we'll do the first one and see how we do how the we pilots go. of each? Yeah. One of Torchwood, one of yeah. Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. I, I've, I have always kind of wanted to watch Sarah Jane Adventures. I've just never gotten round to it. I think I'd probably enjoy it more than Torchwood. I think I'm going to throw my hat in the ring yeah. in saying I think I'm going to enjoy both of them perhaps more than I enjoyed the first episode of Doctor Who. Uh-huh. Because now that I know one of them is going to be intentionally aimed at children, yeah. one's going to be an intentionally more adult, Yeah, I sort of know what's coming. Yes, With Doctor Who, I had an expectation of what I thought it was, yeah. and it wasn't, yes. and it confused yeah. me, yeah. and I hated it's, it. It's, 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 you know, there is, I don't think any other show, uh, any other sort of fictional universe could so comfortably do what Doctor Who does in spinning off in both a more adult and a more child friendly version because it it sits in this weird middle ground where it's a bit of a kids show but also a bit of a grown ups show Mm. so anyway yeah Uh, but anyway so for me and for a lot of for fans of classic series that immediate reveal of Sarah Jane in this episode just critical faculties almost go out of the window at that point because you just so it's just so heartwarming to see her back yeah so yeah not for me yeah you just no sat there in stony like, silence who's that <laughs> it was like oh it's sarah jane who yeah right well the doctor seemed to recognize her yes he introduces himself as john smith uh-huh is that I That's, mean, she does say she has a friend that used to call himself that. Yeah. Is that... When the Doctor wants to pass for a regular human being, that's his go-to pseudonym. Right. Okay. Because I so don't I... think we've seen it in the modern... I yeah. feel like we must have at some point. But I can't remember off the top of my head when or where it would have been. But <laughs> that is his general... Like, If he just wants to quickly... No, because he didn't... Uh, I was going to say uh, Tooth and Claw, but no, because he goes for Jamie McCrimmon in that one. That's but, right. But that's because, um, you know, they wanted to make the reference to um, another classic companion. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they have a reunion of sorts. 
Yes. She's not fully aware that the Doctor is the Doctor at this point. No. So, this is where we're introduced to my favourite character of the episode, who I've just described as bumbling idiot child. <laughs> He's just this slobbish lout of a child. Oh, is that Kenny? Yeah. 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 Oh, lovely Kenny. I love Kenny. Um, With his spiky hair. I think I'd hate him if he came <laughs> to my school. He's the sort of kid I would just have <laughs> no time for. Because he's just... Should be in lessons, but he's just meandering rounds. Yeah. And Kenny walks through the school and sees a monster behind the table. So uh-huh. it's sort of the first time we've seen the quote-unquote monsters this yes. episode. Yeah. They're like gargoyle... Yeah, they're sort of like big old bat creature things. Yeah. Yeah. And when it stands up from behind the table, it's the angry teacher. Yeah. Now, Kenny does not divulge this information to anyone. No. He doesn't scream. He doesn't, you know, find an appropriate adult to disclose it to. I think perhaps he was just a little too shocked by the whole thing. He's useless. He's useless. (laughs) Right. From there, it is now the evening time. Yeah. And Sarah Jane has broken into the school. And at the same time, the Dr. Rose and Mickey also have broken it. Yeah. So we've got two separate... um, Snoopings yes. taking place. Yeah. So the doctor hears a scream, mm-hmm. and at the same time, Sarah Jane finds the TARDIS. Yeah, and it's you get so- that, so a lovely eerie music from from Murray Gold in, in, mm-hmm. in this to kind of underscore that kind of like because that's come completely out of the blue for Sarah Jane. Yes. And, uh, and the doctor at this point introduces himself formally as yes. the doctor, or reintroduces himself. Yes. Yeah. Because I think she she just that's the moment that the penny drops and she knows immediately that this job you know that yeah. is him, yeah. And he says everybody died. Yeah. You know, is that alluding to the time war? It is. Yeah. 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 I thought as much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they have. It's a difficult conversation, really, and I think they both play it so well. You've got this, you know, because this is the scene, isn't it, where she just straight up confronts him and is just like, yeah. yeah. He never yeah. came back. Yeah, um, she's she's angry but heartbroken. Yeah, and he's yeah. remorseful, but and... but also kind of guilty. Like it, like he he's just straight up like you can see that I, like potentially this is the first time for a long time he's actually really properly had to think about it. Yeah, because he he is this wanderer and he does pick people up, you know, has adventures with them, drops them off. And quite often doesn't necessarily stop and think about them. Because yeah. he's, he's always moving on to the next thing. That's it. And, and, it, and the adventures are the norm for him. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that he's heartless or that he doesn't have fondness for the, for, the, for these people. But he, I think, tends to blithely assume that after you drop someone off after, after travelling with him, that they will, they will just go on and have their normal human lives. And they've, you know, they've had this kind of whirlwind of adventure, and now it's time for them to settle down, move on, and just be an ordinary person, and it's a happily ever after. But of course, if you had a wonderful friend that you went on many wonderful adventures with over the years, and then one day you just never saw them again, mm. would you be able to move on from that? Would you, would you would you not struggle with? I like, what, what are they up to? Why? What did I do wrong mm. to? get dumped by them. Yeah. Effectively. I think that's probably the best. Sense, yeah, yeah, that's probably the best analogy though. Yeah. Is that, you know, she's effectively being dumped 
and yeah. he's continued with his life. Yeah. And she can't. Yeah. Because this huge aspect of it is now just now gone. Void and yeah. gone. So, and I think that what astonishes me about the performances that seems specifically um, with Tennant, but I mean, with both of them, is the fact that it really does feel like two old friends catching up, despite the fact that these actors have never been on screen together before. Yes, yes, definitely. And that is an extraordinary feat when you think about it. Yeah. It's definitely one of the better scenes yeah. in the episode. Yeah. I mean, I know I slated the episode. <laughs> I'm going to talk you around to it. By the end of it, you're going to think it's, it was actually a pretty decent episode. So, whilst this is going on, it's never really explained, uh -huh. but Mickey just finds loads of rats. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. And they sort of go, well, maybe they dissect them, but nobody does that anymore. Yeah. Full stop. Move on. I, th I guess it's food for the Crinitone. Yeah, but... <laughs> they don't really there's just loads of bags of rats they don't really dig into it do they? no <laughs> and yeah at this point it's rats. pretty strongly established that Rose and Sarah Jane don't like each other yes there is some obvious tension there now that they are, now they've established that they are basically that she's his ex if you like yeah well they serve know, the same yeah. purpose to the doctor yes don't they? yeah so so basically sarah drain is something looking at her young replacement yes yeah yeah uh, does she know how many replacements there have been in between <laughs> so they then search the headmaster's office yeah and this is the first time we really get a good look at the fleshy bat monsters yeah i think one of the one of the things that I would say is an actual criticism I have of this episode is that the Critane, given what we know about them later in the episode, is that they aren't that distinct in terms of a character design. They, no, and that other than perhaps Anthony Stewart Head and maybe the angry teacher, whenever we see them in their alien form, they're just feral. You know, we see one on a rooftop, it flies down to attack the... Yeah, but under under the instructions of uh, Anthony Stewart Ed's character, like I think that they they're in that form when they want to be attacking and brutal. But I don't I don't think they're acting in a feral fashion. I think they're just that is their form in which they can physically overpower the humans. Anyway, right. sorry, I'm really gonna I'm gonna fight the corner for this episode. Sometimes, like New Earth, I'll hold my hands up and say, "Yeah, that was not good." I have no defence for it. But this one, you've, you've got a fight on your hands. Okay. Right. So, they leg it. Right. From the monsters. And Sarah Jane shows the Doctor that she has canine in the boot. Yes. The, car. the second uh, returning uh, companion of, of this and episode. One of the vague memories I have of Doctor Who yeah. classic is that he has this robot dog. Called canine. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for Christmas, I got a little metal canine model. Oh, who, it, who gave you that? Uh, my partner's friend. <laughs> the, pro the problem being, of course, yeah. I mean, the, the listeners won't know this because they can't see us, yeah. but I'm quite strongly visually impaired. <laughs> and it's a tiny, tiny, fiddly model. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'll tell you what, whoever sends in the funniest answer for what the face of Bo's secret is I'll send them that model that, that can be the prize that is um, uh, well worth doing then okay. yeah because I mean I, I don't want to be an ungrateful receiver of gifts but there is literally zero chance I can put that model together 
So, um, was it, was, because obviously prior to this, you've not been known as a Doctor Who fan. Was it because you were doing this podcast? I, I think it's been, I think it's maybe slightly misconstrued because yeah. obviously I quite often put on our Facebook when an episode drops. <laughs> And I think they've not fully read my pose <laughs> and just assume, oh, Matt must really like Doctor Who. He talks <laughs> about it a lot. He does a, he does a weekly podcast about it. Yeah, it must be like he, his favourite show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can only assume that's it. Ah, oh, that's adorable. So, but anyway, yeah, so, yeah, so invite you, in, guys. If you do think you have a funny answer for what the face of Bo's secret is, yeah, I think... His secret is that all of season two is going to be terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you've got any suggestions, get them to timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Yeah, do it. And at timenorspace on Twitter. Fab. Okay. Okie doke. So, so, after this, the Doctor and his companions do their favourite thing on Earth and just go for some chips. Yes. That seems to happen more and more frequently. Yeah, chips are, I, I think... I, a, a definitely a recurring theme of the Rose era. Right. <laughs> Whenever they need to yeah. formulate a plan, yeah. they just go chips. for chips. Yeah. And whilst they're having chips, the headmasters stood on the building roof opposite, yeah. watching them. Yeah. And in not not the most convincing green screen I've ever seen. No. No. And yeah. It's supposed to be ominous and, you know, quite yeah. sinister, yeah, but, but he's just clearly standing on a set. Yeah. In Cardiff. Anyway. <laughs> and Sarah Jane acknowledges the Christmas invasion. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think her and the Doctor are having a conversation. And she basically says everything apart from I love you. She yeah. really, really wears her heart on her sleeve. Yeah. Explains how she feels towards the Doctor. Yeah. And I think they're just at the point of saying I love you yeah. and the conversation sort of breaks down a bit yeah yeah. again I think it's a really lovely and well acted scene yeah. um, and I, I think this is the point at which Rose is starting to get a bit of sympathy for Sarah Jane because mm. um, up until that point it had been just a bit fractious and yeah I don't know what to say, say about it. I just, I, as I say, I have no critical analysis of this episode, really. It just the whole time, I, when I watch it, I'm just like, oh, Sarah Jane. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much my entire emotional response. Right, that can um, be the episode and, and description and for this episode. <laughs> uh, and, that, and then you throw, I don't think we've talked enough about K9 as well, well throwing K9 a, into let, the let's, mix. Let's discuss K9, because uh, at this point, they revive him. Yes. Um, now, one thing I did like yes. about K9, well, I sort of liked it, but at the same time didn't, uh-huh. was the voice. Master? Yeah. It, it. I didn't like that part. I didn't <laughs> like his actual voice. What yeah. I did like was the person who did the voice. Yes, John Leeson. John Leeson. Now, uh, do you know his other voice acting work? I do, yes. Best known uh, for, for most people, I would say, as the voice of Bungle from Rainbow. Bungle from Rainbow. As soon as I found that out, <laughs> John Leeson's in my good books. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, also, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, the voice actor for Zippy and George uh-huh. um, voiced lots of Daleks in the classic oh, series. Really? So uh, spe- There weren't that many voice actors in. <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, if we're talking Bungle, yeah. should we just take a second for 
Jeffrey oh. from Rainbow passed away last year. He did, yeah. I was yeah. going to say Rod, Jane or Freddie, but they were sort of the, the extra musical characters, weren't they? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Rainbow was a big, big thing when I was very young. Mm. Yeah, we were just at that last sort of tail end of Rainbow's life I think yeah. uh, so it's like I have just like these vague sense memories of Rainbow more than anything mm. um, but yeah that when children's television was good I mean up to a point yeah up to a point <laughs> I mean Operation U-Tree might have something else to say about it <laughs> but yeah no so I uh, again I unapologetically love K-9 one of the dafter aspects of uh, the Tom Baker era yeah but um, just a delight and if you want to talk about if you treat him as a companion which I think you should Kane I definitely counts uh, longer serving than Sarah Jane really? <laughs> yeah because uh, Sarah Jane did uh, well Elizabeth Sladen did uh, 73 to 76 K9 77 to 81 right so that's four years um <laughs> And not consistently voiced by John Leeson, actually. There's a brief period where he was voiced by an actor called David Briley, and who did, no offence, a shit job. Right. And it just, it's just like, what has happened with K-9? And uh, my actual headcanon is that there was just some kind of corruption of his speech circuits. Where does K-9 come from? Where, how is he the introduced? The 51st century. Right. Um, in an episode called The Invisible Enemy which I haven't seen for a long time now, so I'm a bit fuzzy on the details, but I think it was, like, a scientist from the 51st century, like, created him as a replacement because he had to, like, leave his real dog home on Earth, so he just made himself a robot dog. With, without getting too far ahead of yeah. ourselves, the next episode we're going to review, The Girl in the Fireplace, yeah. because we record two episodes per session. Yeah. That is set in the 51st century. It is, yes. And the technology's a lot better than K-9. Uh, I mean, yeah, but this is something he just whipped up at home, isn't it? I don't really have much fondness for K-9. Yeah, I think it's one of the things, like, maybe you have to... You have to really let K-9 work his way into your heart, I think. I don't think you can... Because, I mean, you look at him. And he's ridiculous. Yeah. He, Every he's basically it's ridiculous. dog-shaped box. Yeah. And he sort of trundles along at like two miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> he's got yeah. that little nose pointer <laughs> yeah. that extends slowly. Um, yeah, I am... Um, let the record show, I am not a fan of K-9. <laughs> well, you know, who knows? Maybe Sarah Jane Adventures will be what wins you around. Mm-hmm. We'll but anyway, so other interesting fact about Ken that I think we should mention at this point. He's actually a cat. Sarah... <laughs> that would be amazing if he opened up it inside it's just a just cat, cat. Yeah. pushing it around. Yeah, um, no, uh, Sarah Jane and K9 never appeared on Doctor Who together before this episode. Really? Really. So how did she get him? There was a failed pilot in 1981, <laughs> called K-9 and Company, which begins with Sarah Jane receiving K-9 as a Christmas present and, from the Doctor. And there we go. There is the third <laughs> corner that we're going to watch <laughs> yeah, at the I end of this series. Another... Right, those are the three things we're doing. Oh, God, do we really have to watch all of them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or 
I don't know, we might write them on a piece of paper and do a draw. <laughs> you can choose which one you I, want. I, sooner or later, I'd love to do Canine and Company. Right. I think maybe we'll keep it for a Christmas special or something. Right. But, um, it yeah, it's sounds, worth the Just from the title, <laughs> it sounds awful. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> right. I have seen it, and it, it, it is. It is not good. Right. Um, I'm going to make a note of that. We'll, we'll be watching that soon. <laughs> so, yeah, but I just love that, that... that that they go with like, oh, let's have Sarah Jane. Oh, we've got Sarah Jane. We've got to respect the fact that K9 and Company is is canon, so that she will have K9 <laughs> with her. Why? Uh, why did it fail? Because it is a very poor program. Okay, I'm, I'm just uh, going to Google K9 and <laughs> Company. So K9 and Company is a one-episode br- television pilot for a proposed. Doctor Who spin-off, blah, 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 blah. Let's just go to reception. <laughs> In Doctor Who's magazine, the Mighty 200 fans gave K9 and company 51.5%. The title sequence came first. In TV's top five worst title sequences as part yeah. of David Williams's awfully good TV. The Yes, the title sequence alone uh, makes it worth watching. It is a delight. <laughs> I might watch this before next week. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell you can, what, it can't be what. any worse than Bandersnatch. All right, tell you what, we'll we'll squeeze it in at the end of this series. We'll do oh, it. That's intrigued me. <laughs> okay, I I love watching like car crash television. Yeah, I mean, failed pilots are fascinating. Over the Christmas period, yeah. did you watch the Bross documentary? I watched almost nothing over Christmas, oh. but uh, I tell you what, I did watch. I tried watching um, the Indiana Jones trilogy because uh, BBC was repeating that, and I've not watched them since I was a nipper. I gave up to about half an hour into Temple of Doom. I was like, you know what? I don't like Andy- Indiana Jones. Do you know I just, what? I, I don't. I don't like Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, I, I know I'm always overwhelmingly negative about Doctor Who. Yeah. It's not just Doctor Who. I don't like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, I really, I tried, I, I could appreciate elements of Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I mean, I, I, Spielberg's uh, shot choices and stuff, I- immaculate. But the story, the, mm. the, the character of Indiana Jones himself, it, it's basically, they're just, they're, they're, they're repeating, they're, regurgitating all of these sort of pulp 1930s adventure story tropes but doing nothing interesting with them other than just making them glossy and high budget for the 80s that's that's it yeah and uh yeah that's not enough sorry spielberg (laughs) not enough so anyway yeah right should we get back to the episode i suppose we better had right right so we find out at this point that the chips have been cooked in krillotane oil. They have, yeah. And when... I love that it's just called krillotane oil. Like, we'd have something called humid oil. Yeah. <laughs> and when they ask the Doctor what that means, he uses probably my favourite line yeah. of the episode. He says, think how bad things can be, and then add another suitcase of bad. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. That's line. good. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, some good, there's some good writing in this episode. Toby Whithouse is alright. So, at this point in the episode, Rose gets mad and sad at being the ne- next in a long line of companions. Yeah, she's never really considered it before, has she? No, but the Doctor says that you can spend your whole life with me, I can't live mine with you, because obviously he can seemingly live forever. Yeah, and he's quite harsh about the way he says it, you know, human beings, you wither and you die. 
Yeah. He doesn't pull his punches there, does he? But in a scene that mimics sort of that introduction of Sarah Jane, they come incredibly close to telling each other they love each other. Just as he's going to, the Krillotane sort of swoops in and disrupts them. Yeah. So are you kind of getting the sense really at this point that Rose is definitely, that feelings have developed? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it seems to be a fairly prominent aspect of most of the new episodes. Mm. So, from there, it doesn't really resolve what happens when the Krillotain swoops by. It just literally flies past. It just spooks them. Yeah. (laughs) So, the next day, the Doctor goes to see the Headmaster. Yeah. The Headmaster introduces himself as Brother Hussar. Yeah, so this is in the swimming pool, isn't it? They have this sort of... I don't know why it's in the swimming pool. Just needless, isn't it? Totally (laughs) needless. Um, And they have this sort of confrontation. And I really, really like this scene because it's just... It's Anthony Stewart Head doing his his best sort of slimy villain Mm. uh, performance. But there's this kind of like... there's Again, it's this mutual respect thing. See, I, I love the line that the doctor says where he says I'm so old now I used to have so much mercy you get one warning yeah. this is it yeah again it's a conscious echo of Christmas invasion no second yeah. chances and the headmaster says next time we meet you'll join with me yeah some face above bullshit right now really. yeah because that's the thing because the critain rather than wanting rather than just obviously he sees him as an obstacle to their immediate goal but he's like you're you know he doesn't just want to destroy this intelligent, this you know, super intelligent being. It's just like, you could be a powerful ally to us. Why are you fighting us? It's kind of his attitude. Which I always think is, a, I like it when villains take that yeah. approach. It's I think it's more interesting than just being like, ah, oh, curse you. So. Right. So, the next scene, it seemingly went on forever, uh-huh. but I've described it in one sentence. Yeah. Rose and Sarah Jane hate each other still. Oh no, they're mates now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just awful to each other. Then all of a sudden, they're just, just like, talk, do you want to be pals? Well, they, they talk it out. They talk it out. And, 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 and it's really, I love this scene because it's just like the way they start sort of realising how little the Doctor has changed in certain ways. Like when, I, when Sarah's like, does he still stroke bits of the TARDIS? <laughs> yeah. and it's quite like that. It's quite good yeah. in that they sort of list the adventures they've yeah. been on as well. Yeah. I quite like it whenever Rose sort of reflects on yes. the journey because it's the journey we've been on with her. Yeah, and they're, and they're kind of like ping-ponging, aren't they? Like trying to do, like playing top trumps, basically. Yeah. Like who, who's you know seen the craziest shit? Uh, and I think Sarah Jane wins by saying the <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. <laughs> and again, obviously, all, all the references, that they are all references to actual events. So there is one where they meet the Loch Ness oh, Monster. Oh, yes, there is. Yeah. God. Maybe I'll pick that one for our for our Tom Baker don't, episode. Don't. <laughs> right. So the headmaster at this point is going to initiate what he calls the final phase. Yes. Where they lock all the children in the school. Yeah. And then eat all the staff in the staff room. Yeah. Okay. And my favourite character, the weird dopey kid <laughs> from yeah. earlier. Yeah. I think this is before he's called Kenny. Yeah. In the episode, so I've just described him as weird dopey kid. Yeah. He's just moping around the school. Yeah. Even though they're specifically told there's an emergency, all the children he's need to like, get to the hall. Well, look, he's got he's got an independent spirit, has Kenny. 
I think he's that got, should be nurtured. I think he's got some sort of mental disorder, perhaps. <laughs> some kind of learning. He seems to have some sort of processing issue. Yeah. That wherever they tell him to do something, he just goes for a walk instead. <laughs> well, he could do with the exercise. So. <laughs> right now, at this point, the headmaster presses a button that just magically closes all the doors. Well. Don't, you can't nitpick that. I'm sorry. You can't. He's a. They build. They build spaceships. The critter. No, no, no. It's, it's not the fact that it magically closes all yeah. the doors. It's the shot of where you see the doors that are clearly on a bit of string, being pulled <laughs> one after another. You know, because some close really fast and some close really slowly. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. Right. <laughs> and the kids all start typing again. Yeah, that's not explained at this point. Well, it's, I mean, it's the plan. We've the sort plan of deduced what's going on. Yeah. And the dopey kid starts running round and bumps into Mickey. Yes. What a meeting of minds. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. You know, when a dopey kid meets another dopey kid. <laughs> and K9 explains to Mickey that they're in a car. Yes. That's how they should get into the school. He yeah. just says uh, repeatedly. We are in that car. There you go. Why is Mickey always driving? Why does any plot point involve <laughs> Mickey just involve him driving? Maybe that's in his contract. Yeah. He has to drive in every episode. Right. It's uh, nice driving. And the doctor sees a code. Yeah. A code, sorry, that yeah. the children are trying to uh, crack. Yeah. And realises it's the Skasis paradigm. Yes. Which he colloquially refers to as the God Code, basically. Okay. Has that been present in any other Doctor Who episode? Not that I'm aware of. Not off the top of my head. No, okay. I think that's just that's just the bullshit that was invented for this week's story. Right. So it turns out that the krillotane oil has been used to cook the chips. Yeah. Which enhances the intelligence of the children to solve the code. Yes. Okay. No explanation given how. What do you want? It's 45 minutes. Cut some slack. Okay. Sorry. Right. Now the headmaster offers the code to the doctor as it could revive all the Time Lords. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's basically, it it sounds as though it's like Infinity Gauntlet level uh, power. Yeah. Because I think I'm right in saying the doctor says... A man like you shouldn't have that power. Yeah. And then the headmaster says, no, but a man like you should. Yeah. And you can see he is tempted. Oh, he's thinking about it. For a second. Like, more than a second. Like, and, and I think that's really, really fascinating. Mm. That you've got this this character who's, you know, let's not forget, he is our hero. He is he is the, the guy we're supposed to be rooting for. And he is there genuinely having to, to, to think hard before whether or not to basically just accept the Infinity Gauntlet, this, mm. this ultimate godlike power. Um, so, yeah. So, Sarah Jane talks him out of it. Yes. And he smashes the computer. Yeah. I uh, mean, what what he actually does was just break a big monitor. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> which is not the same as, yeah. uh, as actually destroying it's all just the computers. damage, isn't it? So... At this point, we get what I think is the worst moment of the episode. Okay. Where Mickey drives into the school. Uh Uh-huh. But you get about eight different shots, eight (laughs) different angles of him driving through it. Yeah. As if to say, 
we know you can't believe he's done this, <laughs> but check it out. Yeah, the, edit- the editing kind of over... All, over all the things it, we've it? seen, a man driving a car through yeah. a glass window is not... Again, this comes back to... I forget which episode I talked about it, but like Doctor Who does many things well. Action is, generally speaking, not one of them. He drives through it, and then you see it from another angle, yeah. and it's like, yeah. smash, smash. Yeah. Smash. It's, Smash. It's Smash not, in slow motion. It's not exactly sort of Michael Bay levels of of action, is no. it? <laughs> no. Right. All the teachers then turn into bats. Yeah. Followed by the second worst scene in the episode, where everyone's just flailing chairs in the air. <laughs> there's a fair bit of chair flailing. You know, you can imagine the director just saying, yeah. imagine there's a big bat monster. How would you fight that off? I mean, well, well what would you do? If you had a chair available... I know, but it's not great, is it? They're just sort of going, whoa, yeah, whoa, it's not, waving it, chairs in the air. It's not the reason I enjoyed this episode, I'll put it that way. Yeah. And that's until K-9 appears Yes, and zaps all the in, bats. In, what I would argue is the best scene of the episode. Yeah, he just sort of turns up, Yeah, shit and up. Just, just spins around, just <laughs> straight up murdering folk yeah. with his nose laser. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, love it. It's it's so mental. (laughs) Right. The doctor deduces that they've changed so much that their own oil is now toxic to them. Yes. So that marries into the fact earlier where we see one of the dinner ladies, I think, gets the oil on them. Yeah, that explains that. So, yeah, basically, because Critatane, they they are continually kind of reinvented. They, They sort of like, they biologically plunder the races that they conquer. You yeah. know, they're, they're kind of cherry-picking pe- different aspects Absolutely. of them. So, yeah. Now, that ties into the worst film I saw last year. All right. Have, have you seen The Predator? I have not. Uh, I don't know if we've discussed this. Oh, I think we did mention it, yeah. uh, that you, you went to see it and was not impressed. It's where the Predator also yeah. tries to assimilate parts from right. other alien races. Okay. And when it gets to Earth, it deduces the thing it wants from humans is, I think I'm right in saying it's Asperger's Syndrome. It could be autism. Okay. Okay, but that ability to... There's a child in it who's basically a savant and can recall different things. Uh, And it it doesn't play well. It is incredibly insensitive to learning disorders. I feel like in 2018, we really need to get over trying to portray autism as just some kind of superpower yeah. it's it's not it is well <laughs> just to give you a, an example of how sensitively the issues handled uh-huh. uh, this is a film that also features Thomas Jane who I actually think is quite a good actor uh-huh. playing a sex offender with Tourette's so he quite often makes crude comments uh-huh. for comedy effect that's Off that's the, the standard side. of film yeah, yeah. yeah. so I, well, thank you for letting me know the that worst I don't film need to I watch watched that last film. year. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite easily. So K nine is zapping all the bats. He sure is. At this point, the dopey kid presses the fire alarm because uh-huh. we work out that way to hurt bats. Pretty much the one thing everyone knows about bats is they have incredibly sensitive hearing. Uh huh. Okay. I mean, these aren't literal bats, so there's no way to know that works. Uh huh. But it does. But it does so. For convenience yeah. sakes. Handy. Okay, Mickey tries to save all the kids 
but they're hypnotised. <coughs> yeah. So he follows the wires on the wall. There's just one big wire. Yeah. And it turns out, when he just unplugged it all, it worked. Again. He just switched it off at the main. Pretty sure that's not how any computer room would be set up. That there would be one central plug for <laughs> yeah. all the computers. Um, be a fire anyway. hazard. You'd be overlo- <laughs> overloading Good your... Uh... Lord, can you imagine? Yeah. But anyway, it works. Yeah. It frees all the children. Sure. And K9, at this point, explains he needs to sacrifice himself. Yeah. He works out he can shoot the barrel containing the oil. It'll, It'll spray yeah. oil all over the acrylatane. Yeah. There'll be a big explosion. But, but he hasn't he... the power to do that and escape himself. No. Okay. I mean, you've seen how fast he moves. Yeah. There's no, no chance of getting away from an explosion. Yeah. I mean, he's like a poor submission to robot wars, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I, I know one of the rules of Robot Wars is you're not allowed projectile weapons. That's so true. Yeah, no, he, he, I mean, they'd have to disable the nose laser for sure. Yeah. I'd um, love to see Circular Lock rip K9 apart. I mean, I'll be honest, as, as someone who is a massive Robot Wars fan, I would also quite enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. K9. Someone somewhere on the internet has made that video. Oh, I hope so. I should, we'll have to have a look later. Right. So... Whilst everyone escapes, K9 shoots the vat, yep. melts all the vat crillotane monsters, and there's a big explosion. Yeah. Heroic sacrifice. Now, True. Kenny, the dopey kid, yeah. is heralded as a hero by his peers <laughs> for blowing up the scope. I love that. I feel like that's that's a very British thing. Like If this was an American show, they would not play that scene that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, given, you know, it's quite a hot topic at the moment yeah still shootings and yeah things like that terrorism yeah i just think should he be heralded as a hero i mean no absolutely not but this is again it's it's britishness this is this is like this it's the kind of the bash street kids beano response like (laughs) wait we blew up the school we don't have to no more lessons that's not how it works guys no but but it's cute i like it there is i mean again working in a school there is nothing worse than when some idiot sets the fire alarm off yeah. and you have to go stand outside in the rain. Yeah. So if it happened on this scale, I'd be so angry. I mean, you'd maybe be out of a job. If the whole school is destroyed, you'd probably... Like, they're not going to be... They're probably just... They'd just reassign those children to other schools and, and, yeah. and you'd, you'd, be, you'd, you'd be out of a job, mate. Yeah. So, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> right, so the Doctor, at this point, was sort of at the resolution of the episode. Yeah. Invites Sarah Jane into the TARDIS for tea. Yes. And invites her along for another adventure. And she says, no, take Mickey. Yeah. Or Mickey sort of invites himself he at the same it, time. Yeah. yeah. And Rose looks really pissed off. Yeah. You know, they've spent most of the episode together flirting. Well... Earlier on, but but then towards the end, I think she's kind of perhaps consciously for the first time coming to terms with the level of the feeling she has for the Doctor. Mm. And the last thing you want when you're just getting to grips with that is someone being like, hey, can I be an awkward third wheel? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it doesn't make you like Rose as a character, mm. but it's a believable moment, I think. Definitely. So... I mean, just in terms of the fact he's an idiot, yeah. you wouldn't want him 
in your party adventuring through space. Wow. It's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, so he's along for the ride, and that's quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, a bit I, different. I wondered at this point if it was going to be similar to Adam, where he was going to come along, fuck up, and then they get rid of him. Yeah. But, but um, well, we'll, we'll find see. out in the next we'll episode. See. And they say goodbye to Sarah Jane. Yep. And as the TARDIS vanishes, the Doctor's left her a new canine as a little present. It's lovely, isn't it? Where and did they, he get that and from? They, and they walk and trundle off respectively into the sunset. Yeah. Um, he made it, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. that's because that was Mark. That was Canine Mark Three. I think the, the Doctor has kind of built previous, like taken the original Canine design and, and, and programming and stuff, and basically built new models of it. Why didn't uh, you put it in a better case? In you make got it, to st- stick with the classic canine. Make it look like an actual dog, so she can take it out in public. No, it's it's it's, it's not a dog. It's a canine. But it's its if, own thing. If you were walking down the high street, yeah, and you just saw a lady chatting away to a little metal box that was wheeling <laughs> alongside her. Yeah, I would I would have infinite respect for her. I think <laughs> I'd probably give it a little kick on the way past. Give it a little boot. Ah, oh, dear. Well, anyway, so perhaps we'll get to see uh, what they get up to next when we eventually watch uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. So... Yeah, that that does it for school reunion. So I've not managed to talk you round. I mean, some bits are all right. Some it's of the... fun. It's just fun. I don't sure think it is. Isn't it? It's boring. It lingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not convinced. Right. Okay. No. No. I. I still. I. I. You know what? The first time I watched this episode, I don't think it. I enjoyed it as much as I have done on subsequent rewatches but these days now it is one of those warm fuzzy go-to episodes for me if i just want a nice slice of doctor who it's one of the ones i would consider putting on but is that because of the links with old doctor who probably i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie but i think that is a big part of it uh i think also i like the demon head masteriness of it Mm. um i like that it's just you know set in a school and it's it's simultaneously quite high stakes, you know, incredibly high stakes if the Crediteer had got their plan off, but also it feels kind of low stakes because it all just takes place in one school. Exactly. And it's like the unit doesn't get involved or anything like that. There's no sense of a greater global threat. Yeah. Um, I just feel feel in a way with season two, we're sort of coming down the other side of the hill. I think season one built up and got better and better and better. And nothing so far has hit the pinnacle of sort of the conclusion of season one. Yeah. Maybe even the Christmas invasion. Yeah. And we're just sort yeah, we of were on a bit a of a lull. decline at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least there were no so cat people. There, there is that. Yeah. So we'll see what you think to um, The Girl in the Fireplace next week. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to that. So thanks very much for listening, everyone. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thanks very much for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. 
if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. 